This is a VOFM special broadcast. The COVID Report Show, Monday to Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Exclusive to VOFM 88.1. Share it. Since lockdown is not ending anytime soon, we look at what it has been like for our mental health to be existing in a time of a lockdown. What is the impact of having our liberties taken away? Our liberties such as running freely at any time. Our liberties of being able to serve at any time. Our liberties of being able to buy a cigarette. And to do that, we are joined by Dr. Damaris Mufapamasi, who is going to engage us on what the lockdown has actually done to much of our mental health. So my first question is, what happens to individuals in the country when they've lost access to many things that they once had before? You know what? I can tell you there is quite, a, I even name it collective loss. There is quite a lot that people have lost during this um, lockdown. I'm going to unpack it in this way. Like I said, it's a collective loss. We lost sense of everything sense of routines, sense of the way we used to do things, sense of life in general. So I call it grief in a way. So we are grieving in a way. It is anticipatory because it's something that we know, something that we expected, and we know the outcomes uh, can be bad. There's no way they can be good because it's um, it's a virus and a lot of things can happen. People lost their loved ones. People lost their jobs. People lost quite a lot of things you can talk about. So in a way, to our mental health, it's, it's, it's taking its course. It's taking its course because people, they can no longer cope with being indoors. People, they can no longer cope without having incomes because, you know, some people's Incomes, they depend on them being outside on the streets doing quite a lot of different things. So I can say it's a lot. It's a lot on mental health. Absolutely, doctor. Uh, I think my next question for you is uh, mainly on the idea of the idea of merits and the idea of a hierarchy of concerns. You spoke about um, the public mourning. Um, the loss of these liberties, uh, these things that seem that that, that seemed ev- benign and every day um, as as concepts by themselves. The idea that if I want to smoke, all I need to do is get myself a cigarette, and if I want to go surf, all I need to do is hit the waves. Now we live in a time where we can't um, access the where surfers rather can't access the waves to surf. Um, cigarettes have been outlawed, so you can't uh, buy them from. Sh- and whatever, and as far as the social discourse, there seems to be a, a an, an inference of hierarchy in terms of the things that are a priority for you to worry about, the things that are a priority for you to mourn in this instance. So my question to you is, for those who, for example, will say, oh no, I ha- I don't like that these surfers are complaining about not being able to surf. Do they not see the bigger picture? Or I don't like that so many people are complaining about not being able to smoke. Do they not see the bigger picture? Is there a question of the the validity of the mourning of these liberties that we've lost? Or do or is there is there an instance where the public needs to see this bigger picture and needs to view the temporary loss of these 
liberties as a necessary sacrifice for the greater good. Okay, I like the word you used for temporary. It's temporal. So we, we differ as human beings. So the way we accept the changes in our lives, it differs. So like I said, it's a grief to everyone since it's a collective loss. So for people to adapt, there are stages, stages of grief. It depends on an individual how you want to, how you are going to take it, how you are going to proceed. But then I just want to unpack the stages of grief that are included in the situation. So from the first one, we have the, the denial, the denial stage. In the denial stage is whereby people, they just can't believe the lockdown is happening. Like to some of us, it's still a talk to say, no, there is no lockdown. No, maybe next week probably things will get back to normal. So it's the denial stage. Another stage, we have the anger. Some people are angry at everyone. It can be the shops. It can be the president himself to say, why did he just come with such regulations? Why did the health department come with such regulations? For example, we can't even go to bottle stores. We can't even go to gym. We can't even do. Remember, people, people's lives, they depend on a lot of things that now on lockdown they cannot do. So after the anger, we have the bargaining. On the bargaining stage, it's whereby people, now I can say they calm down a bit to say, okay, president, we can comply. We can comply with the regulations of lockdown. But then if we comply, will you allow us to go to gyms? Will you allow us to smoke? Will you allow us to go and buy alcohol, for example? So in a way, we are bargaining to say, Now we can comply. Now we can stay at home. Now we can sanitize. We can do quite a lot of things, but provided we get one, two, three, and one, two, three. So the other stage, which is very sensitive, it's the depression part of it. So some people, they're not taking it well. They're not really following the steps as to how I'm unfolding them. So they end up being depressed. They, it starts with stress, the depression, and then it escalates to depression after stress because some people, when they're stressed, they normally say, no, uh, uh, it will pass. I'm fine. I'll be okay without consulting, without voicing it out so that it doesn't escalate to depression. Because the moment you are quiet, the moment you are not talking about whatever that is bothering you, it is busy piling up in your mind to say, and then at the end of the day, you'll have headache or migraine or something like that because the mind could not breathe. You didn't allow the mind to absorb the positive outcomes of the situation. You kept on dwelling much on the negative side of it, dwelling on the negative side of it until the mind couldn't take it anymore. So then we will say the person is diagnosed with the depression. So the last stage of the grief is the acceptance part of it, which is very, very difficult to do because it takes long to go to the anger, denial, bargaining and all that. So the stages are not really in, you really don't have to follow the way I was unpacking them. It depends on the individual. They can start on bargaining and then go to anger and then some they can start on depression and then 
go to acceptance part of it. So it depends on an individual, but it is possible. It is very much possible for an individual to end up accepting that, you know what, this is what has been happening and I try to make sense of it. I try to equip myself with coping mechanisms and this is what I've been doing. And really it, it brought, um, quite a lot of positive outcomes. So I've adapted one, two, three. I've adapted to cook, for example. I've adapted to just bake or work out at home and it really, really worked for me. So hence I, I reached the acceptance stage of it. So it all depends on an individual to say, how are you taking it? How do you view this whole thing? Is it something that it's really, really tempering with your mental health? Okay, we understand with routines, everyone is affected, but how you deal with it, it's very, very important so that we reach acceptance, all of us, at the end of the day. Some very important things that I resonate with what you're saying about, and I think many people do, in that it is a collective grief, and we are all experiencing this collective grief individually and in very different ways. But now, Doctor, I want to ask, there's going to be a time where COVID-19 is going to be on the back pages of the newspapers, as Dr. Zwilling Kizia said. There's going to be a time where COVID-19 is no longer in the front page or what we speak about every day. And when that time comes, do you think there is going to be a collective post-traumatic stress disorder? Because there's been many conversations happening that living under such conditions is going to breed this 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 condition in us after we come out of this what is your take on that okay like you mentioned there's going to be a collective post traumatic stress disorder i can say yes because it will be like as it's post we first experienced the collective loss so it's post what we have experienced. So I can say a lot of us are going to be through the post-traumatic stress disorder due to what has happened to us, things that we lost, uh, people that we lost, a lot of things that we lost touch with. Some of us, our mental health will be affected. Some of us at home, we are stuck with um, our partners whereby things were not so fine and that on its own, it's a lot. So we'll be reflecting back and to some, the reactions will not be good. Well put, Doctor, absolutely. Um, and my next question, uh, I think back to, back to those, I mean, you just expounded on the grieving, on the grieving process, the process of grief, and you broke it down so eloquently. For those who, for those who simply can't deal with the temporary absence of these uh of of these vices that they've that they've that they've come to incorporate in their daily lives i'm talking about those who who love to smoke those who love to drink alcohol those who who perhaps love to um go surfing for example and because of their inability to cope with the temporary absence of these of these vices certainly through legal terms they go about pursuing them illegally so the smokers go and buy cigarettes on the black market the drinkers go and uh, look to buy alcohol on the black market the surfers go and try to occupy beaches when they aren't open to the public 
Do, is there a degree of personal responsibility that needs to be taken by these individuals or is, or, or is it symptomatic of the, of the times that we live in and the, the idea that breaking, breaking the law, so to speak, is, is justifiable almost simply because I'm struggling and I need this to cope? Hmm, like you said, citizen responsibility. So I, I was, I was talking about it the last time to say as much as it is affecting a lot of us, but you have to think about the future. You have to think of whatever the implications that will come after you have went and did something that is going to land you in trouble. So it's difficult, but we do have therapy. We do have therapy for those who want to stop smoking, for those who want to get rid of their uh, negative behaviors, negative thinkings, negative attitudes and all that. So I will advise people to get therapy as to how to cope with uh, not being able to smoke, how to cope with not being able to consume alcohol. What is it that I can replace the feeling with? There are quite a lot of activities involved for you to replace whatever the cravings that you are addicted to, whatever the kind of behavior that you always do when you cannot get what you want. So to avoid quite a lot of things, to avoid a lot of consequences after the lockdown has finished, I urge people to consult. People consult mental health practitioners so that they can get solutions or I can say adjustment to whatever that is happening to them. So you know how they... how their brain works it's it's amazing and it depends on an individual to say okay this is what i want to train my brain to do this is what i want to train my brain to get used to so you go to a mental health practitioner and normally we use those um, routines as well to say okay this person wants to get rid of this on their brain system it can be a routine, but it can be changed. Like I said, the brain works in a very, very, very amazing way. So if you want to change things, you can still consult your brain. You are in charge of it. You can do a lot of things. You can manipulate it, but through the help of the therapist who is going to guide you and say, do this, do that, do that. And the way you respond as well, it's going to tell your progress in that. So it depends on an individual, your willingness to say, I want to beat this. Then I don't see why you cannot do it. Just one last question that I personally have. We come from a country that is highly traumatized. Um, we've heard a lot of the word of this is an apartheid state. This is a totalitarian regime that is currently happening. But for a country that actually has experienced actual harm such as apartheid, for those people who are stuck at home, who don't have access to therapists currently, who don't have mental health support, and outside of setting a routine, outside of the mindset, what else can you advise them? Uh, since a lot of people, like you said, I, I forgot uh, some people, they cannot uh, access therapists, but we do have online platforms. We do have um, toll-free numbers that people can call to get hold of uh, the therapies online. So I don't know if you want me to share the numbers 
the toll-free numbers that they can contact or the WhatsApp links or there are quite a lot of things lately that people can do to get hold of the therapist without face-to-face. Well, please, by all means, doctor, share the, um, the, share, share the numbers that, that you are at liberty to share with us. So a lot of us, we have resorted to online, but some, they just prefer face-to-face. But then during this level, I think we are allowed to see clients face-to-face, but with precautionary measures. So we do have quite a lot. Um, let me start with the Akeso. We have a Akeso psychiatric response. It's 24 hours. It's free. They told free line as well. It's 0861. Four three five seven eight seven. We have the ADHD helpline as well. Zero eight zero zero double five double four double three. We have the SEDEC mental health line. Zero one one two three four four eight three seven. And then we have the suicide crisis line as well. Zero eight double zero. Five six seven, five six seven. This one it does have SMS as well. So if you feel like you can't talk, you can still SMS two three one three nine three. Absolutely insightful stuff here on the COVID report. We were joined by Dr. Damaris Bukhapamasi, um, helping us unpack the effect of the temporary loss of the liberties that we've come to associate with our everyday lives that have been so cruelly taken from us uh, temporarily, albeit, during these trying times in our continued fight against the COVID-19 pandemic. Doctor, thank you so much for the insightful conversation, the eye-opening um, conversation into these matters. And I hope that everyone who is still struggling to deal with the uh, temporary restriction of uh of, of, of a part of their lives that they've come to incorporate into their everyday lives. I hope that anyone struggling can take the avenues that uh, we've suggested and we've covered during the course of our conversation. And I hope that they find the willpower to not allow these vices to overpower them. So, Doctor, one more time, thank you so much for joining us on the COVID report. Thank you so much and stay safe, guys. One more time, we thank Dr. Damaris Mukhapamasri for her time here on the COVID report. When we come back, we have that conversation on the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on a purely social level. And we find out how this lockdown, how this difficult time that we're all living in across the globe is impacting everyday South Africans. Tweet us at PowerFair. Hashtag The COVID Report Show. Welcome back to The COVID Report. You're still with me, Ukamilisho Agwapovana, a.k.a. Game, as well as Usposite Mboli. And like we said at the top of the show, we're flipping the page as far as our engagement with the impacts of the pandemic. Because for the most part, for the majority of the time we've been doing this COVID report show. We've looked at the impact of the pandemic purely on an industrial level. And we've uh, had the conversations we've had with people based, with, based on their 
occupations and their expertise on the matter, which they would use to provide insight for the conversations we'd have. Today, we're employing a different approach. Today, we want to find out how the impact of this pandemic has resonated on a social level. And I think the best way to go about uh investigating the extent of the impact of the pandemic on a social level is to socialize and in doing so to talk um, to people on a purely social level. To that vein, our one of our guests here on the COVID report is a uh, DJ by profession. She works in events and as an event DJ, she goes by the DJ name DJ Morfire and uh, her name is Matsati Nsamiya and she joins us on the COVID report today. Matsati, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the COVID report. Thank you, game. Thank you so much. It's Mutsating. Mutsating. That's it. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for, 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 thank you very much for that. And uh, let's get straight into it. Um, you, like the rest of us here in South Africa, are in um, lockdown, level four lockdown. Uh, how have you, how have you, A, found the lockdown period? And how has the move from level five to level four of the lockdown uh, treated you? I must be honest, initially it was very, um, I mean, I was panicking. It was, it was quite a scary time because I had just quit my day job and decided to basically, um, pursue the, the, the arts, pursue music, pursue DJing, um, and voiceovers on a full time, on a full time basis. So the first month I'm out of, a, I'm out of a job and bang, you know, <laughs> all of a sudden all my gigs are canceled. Every single thing has been canceled. From a from a social perspective, nothing much has changed because you know the idea was to work from home anyway. It's just that obviously now the party scene has been cut out. Now that's where obviously my um, you know my I, I make my living from. That's where my income is coming from. But it's just forced me to to think outside the box and you know and pursue this online life that we were gonna go that direction to anyway. So it was, it's just made us to, 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 to like look at that and, 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 um, and sorry, what's the word I'm looking for and pursue that and push that a lot quicker than we would have. You know, we were going that direction anyway, but things were a little bit slow and now it's just pretty much pushed us into, um, going online and pursuing that a lot quicker and at a faster pace, you know, so I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I must be honest. So this, you have used this time to kickstart your career in the media and working more electronically, which is such a great way and such a great use of time. But we're also joined today by Sonwabo Teta, who is a media enthusiast who is currently living in the Val and who is, like many of us, under lockdown and level four. But Sonwabo, you are not in Johannesburg. You're in the Val Triangle. So how has your experience of lockdown been in that area? Um, the Val is basically quiet right now, man. It's quiet, you know. Um, a lot of people um, are panicking because Val is usually a small town. There's a lot of unemployment already. And psychologically, man, the kids are not all right, you know, because the kids decide um, there's a lot of unemployment because the city is not busy. It's very 
quiet and home-based, and a lot of people are confined to their homes. So on a financial state point of view, people um, are not that worried. And there's a lot of black market um, engagements going on. People asking questions because I see on my WhatsApp status and some of my social media platforms, people asking, where can I get alcohol? Where can I get alcohol? Where can I get cigarettes? Where can I get cigarettes? And it sort of gives us a break to that vibe, you know, because the area where I'm situated, it's quite, there's a lot of youth going on. So my perspective is basically just around the youth. Um, it's, it's, it's giving us a chance to see who we are, you know, because I don't, obviously on the financial burden, it can be quite stressful, but on that social um, engagement, um it, it's 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 not a pleasant situation but you know it's something that we just have are going to have to go through with oh absolutely sonwabo and i think by extension uh just because uh while you sonwabo are based in the val um dj mofaya being based in um i believe it's robindale out in randburg uh you you are mo- you are best best positioned to provide um an insights and i can i can already guess if i know my Randburg well enough that it's not entirely it's not entirely similar to the situation in the Val. Am I right, DJ? It's very, very different. It's not necessarily a ghost town. One would assume that everybody on the road has some sort of a permit, but I know that they don't. People are still moving around. It's definitely a lot less movement um than 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 uh, stage five. Um, but people are still carrying on about their business. You know, it seems as if as long as you've got a mask and, um, you know, you sanitize at the stores, because I don't believe that everybody has sanitizers in their homes. Like, it's business as usual, you know. The other day, the ice cream factory was open. It made me question things like, what is an essential and what is not? You know, it's like anybody who applies for a permit can get a permit, and it's business as usual. So business as usual in Randburg, but ghost town in the Val. And for both of you in your homes now, what has your daily routine looked like? Have you established a daily routine or is it a free form? Let's see where the day takes us experience. Sure. Um, well, because a lot of my work, you know, entails me being at home and working from home, I cannot fall into that trap. I have to actually have a structured day. I have to wake up. And also my kids are, are, are 13 and 10. So they are homeschooling at the moment. Um, so I'm not only just doing my work, I'm also playing the role of a teacher to a high school and a primary school child. You know, in the past, I never really used to even help with homework. And now I'm conducting the actual classes. That is quite difficult, I must say. And it makes me worry about kids in the rurals and in the townships. You know, what are they doing? That's my biggest worry at the moment, I must say. In my regard, in terms of um, my daily activities, I would say it has given me a chance to master my craft and appreciate things that I didn't appreciate because obviously lockdown means that I'm confined to my place. And I'm actually alone. Um, I've been alone for the last 40 days. I've done a bit of traveling here and there, engaging with family, but I've basically been alone and it can get tough sometimes having no one to talk to but I just get into a strong frame of mind pull up my socks and learn to appreciate the things that I didn't get a chance to appreciate 
I would say that's how my day-to-day activities are going. I'm certainly cool. cooking a lot more. I never used to really cook much, but with kids here full time and no nanny, <laughs> I'm forced to also cook. Um, I've I've started exercising a lot more than I did, and I've involved my kids as well in the exercise regime. Um, I'm more grounded. I'm more aware of everything that's happening in the house, whereas I in the past I was just go 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 go. Things have quietened down. I'm more present. I'm more involved in the kitchen. I'm more involved in the yard. I'm seeing what needs fixing, what doesn't. I'm paying more attention to my pets. You know, I never used to really, the dogs used to be my dad's situation, but now I'm actually paying more attention. I'm meditating a lot more. You know, I think this thing has certainly made us quiet and down and, um, you know, look at ourselves and look at everything around us. Well, I'll tell you what, DJ Mofire, if if there was a running for mom of the year, I'm pretty sure you'd be high up there right now because um uh, a, a lot of uh, you you you're right. A, a lot of a lot of us have had to um use this time to take up responsibilities that normally would not um be required of us to take up and um specifically to the 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 the, the cooking thing i personally don't ever want to see a stove again in my life but i know how unrealistic that already is so um thank you very much for um the insights on that part my next question is uh to the both of you um sonwabo and uh you dj mofire and i feel privileged to be able to ask this because i feel best positioned to have this conversation with the both of you seeing as I operate in both circles. I, like you, DJ Mofire, I also DJ. Um, like you, Sonwabo, I'm also involved in um, the entertainment and acting industry uh, via uh, voiceover work and stuff like that. In, in, in times like this, where, as we've talked on earlier, gigs have been cancelled, jobs have been cancelled, um, growing noise about... Um, relief funds for artists, the lack of clarity around um, who can and who can't have access to these relief funds, the strain that these times have taken on the dedication to our craft. How, how are, or, or how can uh, people like us use these, use this difficult time to make the most out of uh, their respective crafts? Uh, for you, DJ Morfire, how can DJs use this time to uh, perfect their skills and still keep in touch with their audiences? And for you, Sonwabo, how can um, how can uh, actors, voice actors, and creatives in the creative industry use this time to refine their creative skills? Well, you know, the thing about for suddenly everybody seems to have Wi-Fi. You know, before. The, the before Corona, I don't think as many people were connected as they are now. And I find that there's always somebody willing to listen, not even someone. There's a whole bunch of people sitting idling, <laughs> you know, because people are not used to being at home. So a lot of people are spending their time online waiting for content. And that's where we come in. We create content. So we definitely have to capitalize on that. And in terms of getting your your um enhancing your skill um that's the only thing to do right now is to practice especially as a dj practice 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 and you've now it's even better now because you've got an audience that's constantly there they don't have to drive 
anywhere to, to, to listen to you. They don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to Uber anywhere. They don't have to spend a cent to come and listen to you, except obviously for data charges and whatnot. So practice, practice, practice. Go on YouTube, check out trends, check out what other DJs internationally are doing because, you know, you find that, you know, other countries like Americans, uh, Europeans, etc., tend to be like many steps ahead of us, you know. So tap into that, see what they're doing, see what they're getting up to. Um, Erica Badu had a beautiful concert the other day with those fears and the different artists being in those fears and conducting a, um, a concert, you know. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm looking at creative, nice ways of actually putting it out there. Um, aesthetically, I make sure that my background is also like killer, you know, so that I don't bore people. There are many people that are streaming live right now. So you need to always think of ways that are going to set you um, apart from other DJs and other entertainers at the moment, you know. So practice, capitalize on the fact that everybody is online and you have got that that, that luxury of, an actual audience to practice on? I would basically say the same thing. I totally agree with DJ Move Fire. And I've just been stacking up and stacking up and stacking up on content, you know, just doing a lot of things, recording a lot of things, editing videos, my podcast, um, because there's time. You're given a gift. You're given a gift of, of time, you know, because the world is literally on a pause and on a standstill. So it's basically like the story of the hardworking ant. He was working in the summer so that in the winter there was food. So this is basically the opportunity and the time to stock up on food. And then when the right time comes and people are around, public places are open, you've got content um, to release and to feed and satisfy people. Yeah, that's my take on that. Changing gears slightly outside of the practicing, DJ Morfi, I want to ask you, you mentioned that you have children. How has the particular lockdown been with them and their schooling? But more so, you mentioned that they alternate between your home and their father's home. How has that impacted the dynamic and how is it different? Because I know that changing of households wasn't allowed in the initial gazetted regulations, but then later allowed. So how has that been? How has navigating that been? <laughs> I don't know if I should um, admit that I am a rebel <laughs> with a course. <laughs> I, we basically, you know, my kids move between their dad and myself every week anyway. So with the lockdown, nothing has changed. They've just been moving around like that. And like I said, in Joburg, it's business as usual. Hey, there are no cops or or or, or, or soldiers to kick a scope and donor as. So my kids have been going back and forth even throughout stage, stage five. Nothing has really, really changed. Except that, you know, kids will always, like, push you to do the right thing, you know. They're the ones who always tell you, don't litter, don't do this, don't do that. So even with this COVID-19, um, I've been very flexible and loose. And I've got my kids teaching me that, no, 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 you can't do that. No, actually, are we allowed to do that? Actually, you can't make me do that, you know. So they're keeping me um, disciplined as far as the rules and whatnot. But, like, honestly speaking, things are pretty much still the same. As long as you're not partying and, you know, being all up in the streets and stuff. But movement is still pretty much, I would say, the same. As long as you you, you adhere to the, to the locked, um, the, the curfew regulations and you're not out on the road at, at night. But during the day, we've been moving around as and when we need to. 
you know, I'm also in Soweto a lot. Uh, there's a food garden community project that I'm running in, in Soweto. So I do move around. I don't want to lie to you. Thank you very much for that, DJ Mofaya. We'll touch on that community project you're working on in just a second. Before uh, we do that, I'd like to flip the same question that was just directed at you towards our other guest. You mentioned, uh, Sonobo, that you are also um, living in this period of lockdown alone. And speaking as someone who's also locking down by himself, I'm curious as to how you have navigated um, the experience of uh, being in in one space by yourself and being uh and not having not having the close proximity to to other people at as regular intervals as you would in normal society how has that um affected your mental headspace how is that um how would you say that has affected your um your spirits have they have they been high have they been have they been low and how have you been um, keeping in touch with yourself while you spend this period of lockdown alone? Um, basically, I would say that I do things that keep me sane. You know, there were times when, like I mentioned earlier, um, I would just get out the house for a day, maybe go see um, the parents and then come back. Um, and there were occasions where my friends would come over. But these were engagements that would happen for less for just a couple of hours. Um, I would just engage in, in things that keep me sane, you know, um, reading, watching a lot of informational videos, basically learning and putting myself in a space where I can enrich myself and better myself rather than let this thing get to me at a mental state and at the end of the day, I'm going to look at it um, as a good thing because it's given me an opportunity to actually build myself and learn about myself because I'm alone. Basically, it's an opportunity for self-reflection. And spiritually, um, I just I just try to spread positivity, always try to hope for the best, you know, so that life can go back to the way it was because... 40 days is quite a while, but I mean, I've sort of adapted to it. You know, it's starting to become the normal. But um, I just always try to stay positive and try to constantly maintain a positive state of mind. Awesome. Uh, DJ Mafia, please, quickly, before you go, can you briefly describe um, the um, community project that you mentioned and just give us um, some insight as briefly as you can about what it entails, what it's about, and how people can get involved if they can. So I'm with a, an organization called With Love from Kasi. Uh, so three other ladies that are from Soweto, and I used to, I, I, I was born and grew up in Soweto. So what we do is we basically go around hood by hood, planting a seed of hope. Now this Ganga La project, um, you know the word Ganga. It's um, it's basically a, a space where that, that is usually used for dumping, you know. And what we sure. do is we find we find such such spaces, either pavements or just dumping sites that people have been using to dump and whatnot. We we take that space. You obviously with the with the help of the community in that area, with our masks, following um social distancing protocol and whatnot, with our masks, sanitizers and keeping the right social distancing. We work the we work the area, we clean it up 
uh it's been two weeks since we've been in the Orlando in Orlando West um area there by the the Hector Peterson Memorial just before you get there. Um we've 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 opened a WhatsApp group with the community so that everybody knows what's going on. And we've got a couple of volunteers, um a bunch of men and some ladies who come, we clean up the area and we turn those into into um food gardens. Now the idea is to you know, steer people away from from relying too much on these food parcels. Um, you know, because I don't know if you've seen um, visuals of what it looks like when these food parcels are being collected. You know, people are on top of each other. People are desperate and they're hungry, you know. So we're basically saying, let's take the power back and let's not rely always on our government and let's not rely always on the municipality or on white people or help from, you know, from other countries and other people and basically take charge of our situation and help ourselves, you know, looking at the idea of food security all over again, going back to basics, because we as Africans have always planted and we've always been able to, to take care of ourselves using the ground that we have, the earth, the land that we have. You know, it's basically planting that idea in people's minds that, you know, we shouldn't be going hungry. <laughs> you know, we've got space and that little space that we think we don't have. We do have that space. It's just a matter of cleaning it up, taking pride in it and making food and, and, and creating food for ourselves. And any the ideas that we, we it's, it's not it's not um, it's not fenced off. We planting the food. It's right there on the pavement. Anybody who needs food, anybody who needs it is more than welcome to grab some and especially obviously leave some for the next person. And the idea is that after four weeks, we leave Orlando West and we move on to another Kasi. We will definitely also be going to the Val. So, so Nobo, I will hit you up when we do come to the Val. Maybe you can come check it out for your show or something. You know, we're going to go to the Val. We're going to come closer to Randburg. There's an area called Windsor that, um, that holds a soft spot <laughs> in my heart, you know, because the kids there are just so drug ridden. So it's nice to have activities that people can engage in. And there we have it, a show speaking to real people about their real experiences of the lockdown and how the lockdown has affected them. Thank you so much to DJ Morfaya and Sonwabo for engaging us on how their experience has been, how they have felt during the lockdown, what has changed in their daily lives and giving us an enriching and quite a enthusiastic conversation. I feel a lot more positive after this conversation, I feel like we can achieve more in this time after this conversation. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Um, it was a great and awesome pleasure. You've been tuned in to the COVID Report, a jam-packed edition of the COVID Report, your one-stop shop for all of the facts, all of the stats, all of the figures, and none of the misinformation pertaining to all things COVID-19.